Welcome to another QB List Fantasy Football Podcast. If you're hearing my voice, this is the Wavewire Show. I'm Count Elslinger, joined as always by AJ Passman. We've reached the halfway point of the NFL season at the end of week nine. And AJ, how are your how are your teams looking? How's how are you looking so far? This was a weird week, man. I, I mean, we'll we'll get into the tight ends in a little bit, but I mean it's it was a circus this week. So um, fortunately, I'll say this: I I had the luxury of of being able to uh, to drop a week here and there, so that was nice. Yeah, I will say I was half expecting Eric to message us and say us to keep up with the Week Nine tradition of wackiness. You and I weren't going to be hosting the show this week, and it'd be something completely random to keep up with <laughs> that theme. So happy we still have our role, and we try and keep going into Week Ten. He said last week was a. Uh, absolutely bonkers but this week on the waiver wire it's they at least let us have some calmness in terms of guys pick up there's no major injuries nothing extreme no major losses for bye weeks so a lot to get into we'll hop in the games as always you can find me on twitter at callan underscore Slager. aj is at aj passman and you can find his article highlighting all these players in more detail on at vqb list to discuss the waiver to read along with this podcast, but we'll jump into the relevant players pick up for waivers. Uh, This week we have Chicago, Cincinnati, the Giants, and Houston all on by. As you'll get back your Lions, Seahawks, Buccaneers, and football team players. So a little bit more of a calm week, not as many players that you're losing due to the bye weeks, but hey, there's still plenty of names to discuss pickups. And we'll start right away with the running back position we're keeping with our theme of random running backs that were good in the early 2010s. Devontae Freeman highlights the list at running back this week. Last week, he had 13 carries for 79 yards and seemed to be the lead guy for the Baltimore Ravens. AJ, tell me, you know, Baltimore has been so confusing this year. Are we jumping right in on Devontae Freeman being the guy or how are we, how should we approach this? I think you have to with, with Latavius Murray, um, you know, he's, He's missed a few straight weeks. Uh, he doesn't seem um, like he's 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 practicing yet. Uh, uh, let's see, it's Monday right now, and uh, the Ravens did a walkthrough today for so it's not an actual practice, but he was kind of estimated as a did not practice. So that's not a great sign for Latavius Murray. Also, Latavius Murray being your starting running back also not a great sign. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> uh, it it just seems like Devonta Freeman is. Um, he's not doing a ton, but he is doing the most. Uh, and in in week nine, you know, he he led the Baltimore backfield in um, pretty much every category. But uh, so he's ahead of Le'Veon Bell, which again, here we are, twenty twenty one. So uh, he just seems to be uh, the lead back right now. And in an offense like Baltimore's, you have to you have to go with that. Now, of course, that is with a caveat because if you look at Lamar Jackson. Uh, Lamar Jackson had more carries than I think uh, than anyone else, and he had 120 yards on the ground. So, uh, you know, that's a, with a little bit of a caveat. You're still not going to get these massive RB1 weeks, but I mean, it's it, it, it's week 10. Um, if you need a running back and you you have the opportunity to jump in on the Ravens' offense, you know, Devonta Freeman is the way to go. Yeah, and just so we're aware, they do have the Thursday night game against Miami Dolphins, so there may not be as much time for Latavius Murray to get back or as much time to change their game plan where Devontae Freeman was the lead guy 
and I'll even throw Le'Veon Bell's name out there as if you're extremely, extremely desperate. He did still get 11 carries while Freeman was the clear back being on the field for over 50% of snaps and Bell only in for 25%. If Bell's going to get 10 to 15 carries and get the goal line work like he did on Sunday, he will have some value in a little bit deeper league. So I'll throw his name out there as well, but I would agree with you. Freeman seems to be the lead guy and they did not see a single touch for, for Williams. So that's a, a, sh- a shame. That's what the world is looking for. And continuing on with the 2010 good running backs, Jordan Howard in Philadelphia has continued to see a ton of work. He seemed to jump in front of Boston Scott this week with 17 carries, 71 yards, and another touchdown, putting up to three in two weeks. AJ, are we buying into this Jordan Howard work, or is this backfield another one that's just way too confusing to buy in on? You know, I, I, it's it is confusing. I, I wasn't really high on Boston Scott coming into Week Nine. I thought there might even be a chance that Kenneth Gainwell might take some of that work back. Uh, that didn't happen. Uh, uh, Kenneth Gainwell, I think, only had two carries, and he was only on the field for eleven snaps. So, uh, so Gainwell, you know, he is a for me, he's a drop right now. Particularly if you if you need someone, Boston Scott is kind of. In between there, it's another kind of desperation play. Again, we are talking about the Eagles offense, which kind of leaves a lot to be desired most weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, So we are kind of left with Jordan Howard. Uh, Miles Sanders is going to be gone for another week. And you know that no matter how it breaks down, Howard is going to get some looks at the goal line. And so he's kind of that. It's a little bit. He's a little has a little bit more value than a desperation play because he did get 17 carries um, so he was used throughout the game but uh, you know again it, it's it's similar to the Ravens backfield it's kind of the best of the best of the bunch and Howard just seems to be getting getting that work it, it increased from from uh, from week eight against Detroit and he just continues to be getting it and if you kind of hear what the coaching staff is saying you know they they uh, I think they came out today and said they want Howard to be a part of the offense, even when Miles Sanders is back. So they're definitely talking him up, hyping him up. Amazingly, Jordan Howard is back in our lives. And, you know, he, he's a decent bet to fall into the end zone. Yep. Add him to the list with Peyton Barber as running backs. I didn't think I'd be touting in 2021, but here we are. That backfield is a little more confusing to me that I I really don't want to try and get anything for it, but like you said with Devontae Freeman, it's week 10. And if you need a running back, Jordan Howard is getting into the end zone. So there's no reason to let him sit on your wire. I don't want to buy into it long-term. And I'd still wonder if Boston Scott will get more work as he was on the field for more snaps than Howard in week nine. But Howard is getting the t- more touches and he's finding his way in the end zone. So I think he's a more productive fantasy one, fantasy value in that backfield. And we'll keep up with the confusing running back themes and head out to Seattle where... They want to buy, so we have a little bit more. No, no last week to to jump off of. But Chris Carson apparently wants to practice this week. Pete Carroll said he's going to try and get him out there. But then there's Alex Collins, who's forty three percent rostered and should be getting some work. One if Carson does not play. So AJ, how do we approach this backfield? Are we just going to fade Alex Collins, hoping that Carson comes back, or do you say we go out and get Collins? I think I think looking at kind of the landscape of the running back waiver wire, if you're if you're shopping the the wire, that means you need somebody that you think can start. So there's a bunch of guys that there's some injury concerns, some uh, some uncertainty in the backfield. 
Alex Collins kind of leads that list for me. And if we get any, any reports of Chris Carson, not yet practicing throughout the week, you know, dealing with a neck injury. I, I mean, two weeks ago when, when Seattle went on by Callen, I mean, I think what Pete Carroll was saying is like, we really hope that we see him this season. And now he's saying, well, he really wants to come practice. So uh, I don't know how much his coach speak. I don't know how close he is, but the fact that, uh, I mean, the only reason uh, Alex Collins is, uh, is even being discussed between us is because they were on by. And so I think that just people needed other players. So that's why he's kind of dipped to that 43% rostered uh, status. So um, I'm, I think I'm picking him up if I need a running back because I, it, I'm a little I, I'm I'm not really believing all that much that Chris Carson's going to play right now. Now if he starts practicing, then that'll change. If there's something that comes out Tuesday, maybe so. But um, but he's he, he's actually kind of up there with uh, with Jordan Howard and Devonta Freeman for me, uh, just because you know having kind of that lead back role um, has value just just because of the volume alone. Pete Carroll's known for his rosy outlook on players, so that probably plays into the idea that they want Carson out there, but likely we won't see him this week, but you never know with these injuries. We see how things work, so if Collins is still sitting out there, he could be the lead guy. It's kind of in the same situation as Philadelphia. We know DJ Dallas will get some involvement, Homer, and they want Rashad Penny, although every week seems to be the, hey, Rashad Penny's going to break out, and then he does nothing, so take that with a grain of salt, but if Collins is still sitting out there, he should likely get onto your rosters moving over to the somebody injury uh, IR coming off the IR is Jeff Wilson from San Francisco. He's going to join the San Francisco backfield likely this week. And he's currently 31% rostered AJ. We know how good Elijah Mitchell has been lately. He was the big fab winner of week one and he's looked good of, of the past few weeks trying to remind us how good he can be and why we spent all this fab on him. But now if Jeff Wilson is entering the picture, does this get back to the, confusing San Francisco backfield that we've touted since the beginning of the season. Well, and it's, it's not just the backfield. I mean, what is going on with San Francisco? I, I mean, what is up with Shanahan? He is, he's, he's supposed to be the genius that we all love. And I just feel like, I feel like we're, we're just letting him slide on all these preseason and last season. Good feels. So especially when we just touted, Hey, finally it's time to draft drop Brandon Ayuk and he goes out and puts out his best performance of the year. San Francisco continues to be that confusing offense that I don't like talking about. Yeah. So uh, Shanahan, you're, you're just a tease and it hurts my feelings. And, uh, and I, I don't know what to do with that. I, I think that, uh, you know, there is, you know, you, you can buy into this potential storyline that, Hey, you know, Jeff Wilson might be this, this piece, obviously, you know, when he was used, uh, last season, he had some devastating games, uh, just absolute blow up week winning weeks. And the coaching staff likes him. Shanahan likes him. There's room. Well, historically, there's room for multiple rushers in in the 49ers uh, on offense. Now, I have no idea what to do with this with the 49ers rushing attack or the the team overall. Um, you know, George Kittle's back. Uh, Brandon Ayuk is apparently out of the doghouse, even though he had a fumble and they and Shanahan did not pull him this time, unlike earlier in the season. So with all that to say, I, I think Jeff Wilson is worth an ad. I don't think I'm starting him yet, but I do think there's a potential that he could kind of uh, play his way into some into some relevance. I think I, I would not be surprised at all if he jumps Trey Sermon in the pecking order. Would you? 
No, not really. Just because we've seen how Shanahan kind of doesn't trust Trey Sermon. He was supposed to be this big guy. And Elijah Mitchell, who's a later draft pick in Trey Sermon, has become the guy. So it wouldn't shock me at all. We've Everyone's been touting Jeff Wilson since about week two when it's just been, hey, when he gets right. off the IR, he's going to be involved. And he's been sitting on the IR since then. But, yeah, he, he's going to jump right back probably into that. Two, take some touches away from Mitchell as an Elijah Mitchell manager. I hope he doesn't take too many away because I will likely be starting him next week. But we'll see how things go. Next guy up is another guy who got some work because of an injury to James Robinson. That was Carlos Hyde. And surprisingly, he looked okay in a matchup against Buffalo, which we were all expecting them to win, clearly. And he had six, seven uh, yards, that's the word, on 21 attempts and was on the field for 79% of snaps, clearly establishing himself as the lead guy. We talked about last week how James Robinson is kind of day-to-day, week-to-week, so we don't know if he'll be back this week. But if he is, if he doesn't see the field, does Harlow's Kide kind of jump into this conversation with the Devontae Freemans and the Jordan Howards? Yeah, he does. And, you know, Indianapolis, they've been – uh, pretty solid against the run as far as uh, opposing fantasy running backs ha- has been. But, you know, if if you get the start here, then Carlos Hyde kind of goes up with that. Um, unfortunately, we're probably not going to know too much about James Robinson until later in the week. But if if we rewind one week, everybody was saying, you know, it's kind of day-to-day, day-to-day, that we think he'll miss nine, but he should be back for 10. So I haven't heard anything to the contrary of that. So Carlos Hyde, if if you have him, you kind of have to hold on to him until you know. And again, he's worth he's worth putting on uh, putting on your roster just to see if he starts. Because um, again, I mean, there's no tougher there's no tougher matchup than Buffalo, and they already went through that, and he was fine. Um, again, the the Jags' offense is not again anything to write home about, unless it's a sad letter. But you know, you kind of got to go with the volume there. So. Um, my, and I would put him lower than some of these other guys. I think that James Robinson has a better chance of playing than Chris Carson. I think he has a better chance of uh, being relevant than, you know, Je- Jeff Wilson. I think Freeman and Jordan Howard, I think that their roles are a little bit more established, uh, at least for the, for the coming week. So I'm a little bit nervous about Hyde, just in, unless I hear different news about James Robinson. Well, let's not rain on Jacksonville's parade. They just beat Buffalo. So while most weeks they'll write those sad, <laughs> sad letters, I think you can send a very happy letter home because clearly that means you are right back in the AFC contention when you can beat the Buffalo Bills in such dramatic 9-6 to six fashion as they did last week. Yes, they did. The, the final running back who I want to go a little bit more in depth is was acquired via trade just a few weeks ago, and that's Mark Ingram. While he's only on the field for 34% of the, of the, the uh, snaps, he was on. He got 14 opportunities. He had nine attempts, 43 yards. Looked pretty good and saw five targets in the passing game. We've kind of seen over the years Latavius Murray and be fantasy relevant when he was mixed in with Alvin Kamara. Mark Ingram seems to be taking that kind of role. Do you, AJ, are you buying into this? Do you think Mark Ingram is someone you can possibly start in your fantasy laps? Yeah, I you know I think he's got flex value depending on the matchup. Honestly, um, obviously he's he's been there before. He, he can play in this role. If I am a uh, Alvin Kamara uh, manager, I'm a little bit disappointed because I think this definitely dents his, his value. Uh, and I think that, you know, they're going to spell him a little bit more and they trust Mark Ingram and there could be some goal line work as well. So, uh, you know, the, the saints are an interesting offense anyway. And I do think that, you know, with a lot of these shorter passes with a lot of 
QB uncertainty, whether it's going to be Taysom Hill or uh, uh, Trevor, Trevor Simeon, you know, it's, it's really hard to tell. So I, I, I think Ingram does have kind of that potential flex value. Um, some matchups, maybe not as much, but, uh, but I do think that, you know, he, he could be worth a spot start if you, if you kind of have a gap in your roster. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Like I said before, Latavis Murray was fantasy relevant when he was with the Saints as number two running back as they got him involved. And you never know if a quarterback switch might happen. If Taysom Hill comes in, does that go more towards the ground game where Mark Ingram was going to see some volume? So I, I'm definitely willing to get my roster. Even if you don't start him right away, watch as he continues to get that role where you can roll him out there as a desperate flex play when it's a little bit more difficult bye week when we are losing more relevant running backs. For this week, we do lose David Montgomery, Joe Mixon, Saquon Barkley, potentially, although you've been kind of playing without Saquon Barkley for weeks, so that's not really losing him. So you yes, may have, have to have a desperate... <laughs> <laughs> yes, so yeah, you, have. You'll, have that, you'll have that desperate running back play, and Mark Ingram is someone you could probably do worse than playing. So those are the big running backs we wanted to fully highlight. There's some more deeper guys or guys you can keep an eye on for in terms of if you miss out on the... Bigger name guys we mentioned before. AJ, do you want to run through some of these uh, deeper league options or kind of under the radar names to keep an eye out for? Yeah, well, you know, c- coming off of by Jamal Williams, we've seen his roster. Uh, he he's dipped below that kind of fifty percent threshold we like to use. So Jamal Williams is is forty seven percent roster right now. Um, earlier on in the season, he was splitting a little bit more with DeAndre Swift. We'll see kind of how how those game scripts favor or not. Um, Brandon Bolden, keep an eye on Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson in New England. If uh, th- they both actually went out in the fourth quarter, so if uh, if either of them are not practicing this week or can't make it through concussion protocols, uh, then Brandon Bolden could be could be a, a, a name to pick up. Uh, Jarrett Patterson and J.D. McKissick again, uh, something's up with Antonio Gibson, um, and with the way that Washington's season is going it could be sooner rather than later that they may just say, Hey, let's shut down our, let's shut down our stud. So I like Jarrett Patterson as a stash. I like McKissick as a, you know, flex start. Um, and then finally kind of the, the deepest of deepest throws because he is 0% rostered is Eno Benjamin in Arizona uh, with, with so many injuries, so many things going on. This is really like a chase Edmonds watch. James Conner went everywhere and was the top running back in the, in all of fantasy um, in week nine, um, you know, Benjamin looks like he would probably spell him and could have some uh, maybe enough work to even warrant some flex value. And if, if it is a high ankle sprain, like we're thinking with Chase Edmonds and he's out several weeks, then he, you know, Benjamin could be worth a stash just to see how that backfield shapes up. Yeah, I definitely agree. Get Brandon Bolden onto your rosters. If we hear anything more about the Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson injuries, any lead running back is worth touches, and we've seen the top guy in New England have some pretty good fantasy value now. Is that just because it's Damian Harris, or is it because we play for New England? We don't know, but definitely keep an eye on Brandon Bolden. And I love the Eno Benjamin call. We've seen how good James Conner's been as the number two running back. He got in the end zone last past week, even with Conner's fantasy dominance. So I, I definitely want to see what Eno Benjamin's role Looks like you don't start him right away, but if he can carve out a similar Connorish type role where he is the number two guy, you're definitely going to be happy getting him on your roster. If it is as severe as an injury as it's sounding like early on with Chase Edmonds. So that's going to do it for the running backs. We'll quickly run through some drop candidates. The first one, AJ, I'm sorry to bring him back onto your, into your life, but Mike Davis, are you 
it's, it's we've kind of talked about him in the past weeks, but are you still moving on from Mike Davis for any of these guys? Yeah, I, I, I think with Mike Davis, you just have to say, you know, what, what am I hoping to get by, by starting him or by rostering him? Um, and it's not a lot. I think that, you know, there, there's a question with Calvin Ridley, you know, what, what does the offense uh, look like there? And really Mike Davis just is not going to give you very much on the ground. To be honest, Cordero Patterson's not going to give you that much on the ground either, but Atlanta will, will throw the ball. And, you know, we kind of saw a lot of that volume on the offense go towards Russell Gage, who we'll talk about in a little bit, even Olamide Zacchaeus. Um, so, you know what, as, as a Atlanta Falcon fan, you know, it's sad, but, um, but I'm also an Atlanta Braves fan. So, you know, you can just refer to me as a world champion, AJ Passman, uh, for the remainder of the pod in my entire life. So, uh, I'm, I'm okay with Mike. I'm okay with dropping Mike Davis. Um, you know, I think that with, uh, you know, we were just watching Monday night football and Khalil Herbert, you know, could be also a, a drop candidate because they're going on by, um, you know, again, if you need one of these spot starts, if you see if you see a um, an opportunity to grab somebody on the on the wire that you know might lead their team in carries this week, then I think Khalil Herbert. You know, he is a rookie. I do like him long term, but I I think that you know uh, the Bears want to get David Montgomery right back involved as their lead back, and then I'll also throw in the uh, you know the Tennessee waiver darling uh, Jeremy McNichols. Uh, you know, I, I I think we saw what he's capable of, and it's not that much. I think he is just a he's a decent passing down back, uh, and there are very few places that I'd be comfortable starting him. So those are kind of my three. Let's move on if if we find an opportunity to to have a starting running back in week ten. Yeah, I think it's a complete failure as me as your host not to introduce you as World Series champion AJ Passman. <laughs> talk about your Atlanta Braves on this football show. I, I, I apologize for my failure as your host. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, we, we can always fit in a little bit of baseball, right? <laughs> yeah. That's why we have these jobs because of a baseball site. So <laughs> thank you, Nick at pitcher list. And thank you, Eric, for jumping on board and getting us some football talk as well. So yeah, I, I can't argue if any of those drop candidates, I think if you have any of them, it's time to move on, especially with the emergence and brought back of Dave Montgomery. NV Titans backfield is another one of those confusing backfields. You can you can be fine moving on from that. So we'll transition over to the wide receivers and start it off with the same guy I feel like we've been touting for weeks on weeks now, and that's Rashad Bateman. We saw him last week at eight targets, five or seven, 52 yards. Looked very good, making a very incredible over-the-middle catch on one of his Lamar Jackson's throws. Lamar Jackson's starting to get more potent in the passing game, which means that there's a lot of volume to go around. And Bateman continues to be the second receiver. There's no doubt about that anymore. AJ, I don't think there's much more to add than what we've said in the past few weeks, but please remind us why we need to get Rashad Bateman on our rosters. Well, you know, like you said at the top, this is this is our halfway point, right? And every year, this is where we see these rookie receivers and rookie running backs really start to make that turn and when they seem to get the speed of the game. The great thing about Rashad Bateman is, I mean, immediately when he came off of IR, he was he was integrated as a normal part of the offense. So, you know, I I'm not necessarily starting him right away if I don't have to, even though I think that he could be worth a flex uh, worth a flex play in some in um, in some matchups. But you know, if uh, when he takes off, and I I think I think he might inch up towards that fifty percent roster threshold this week. But when he takes off. 
then you're gonna you're gonna be glad that you have him on your roster because I think he's gonna provide fa- he could provide good value um, and a really uh, really nice flex option um, even into the potential wide receiver three four range um, when we start heading into the fantasy playoffs. So again, you follow the usage here. You know you you see that he is kind of you know he is the number three option in Baltimore and in the past that hasn't been enough, but this season it is. So um, I mean. You've got to add Rashad Bateman to, to your roster because at some point he's going to go off. He's going to have that touchdown game where he kind of jumps into that 15 to 20, uh, you know, half PPR point range. And then it's, and then it's going to be too late. So get him while you can. Make sure you have him on there because it's about time for the rookies to go. I hope this is the last week we talk about him. I covered this game for the What We Saw article on this site, and he just he flashes off the page at times. There's some plays he makes that are just extremely impressive. You see why he was a first-round talent, and he's – completely integrated in this offense and it's time to get him on your rosters. He's definitely someone you can add someone you can probably feel confident starting even as a flex moving forward. So definitely go get Rashad Bateman and be happy when you do so transitioning over to back to your team. We might as well let you have some little more Atlanta happiness for a little bit longer. And that was from uh, Russell Gage this past week. He had eight targets, seven for seven, 64 yards. He followed up a zero-catch week, zero-target week when we started to think, okay, it's kind of a flash of pan. Gage may not be too involved. They may not be able to support this many receivers. But then he follows up this that with the week we just talked about and is playing Dallas this week, which we saw kind of support many good fantasy wide receivers going up against him. So, AJ, are, are you back in on Russell Gage? Are you going to be back telling us to go get Russell Gage? You know, it, it, as, far as, as far as waivers go, you know, I'm – for most of these receivers, I'm not really dropping a lot of my fab. If not that I really have any left in any of my leagues, but if I did, um, I wouldn't be dropping a lot on him because we know we know what Russell Gage's floor is. His floor is a big old goose egg, and depending on how game game scripts go, you know, in he could he could absolutely lose you a week, and he has done that to me in the past. However, it the usage that usage that they're showing now that they're, you know, kind of getting used to not having Calvin Ridley a little bit more um, it's encouraging. And I do think, you know, he uh, out of kind of the, you know, 48 snaps, you know, he, he ran routes on 30 of them. Um, So, you know, getting eight targets, that's, that's, those are really encouraging signs. I don't know that he's going to have those spike weeks, but I do think that he could provide you a safer floor uh, than uh, than some other options, and as kind of the de facto wide receiver one in Atlanta, you know there there we could see some some red zone targets coming his way. We could see you know at least that opportunity for for a little bit more um, you know of of a boom there. Even though I I do think you know you kind of have to keep your expectations in in reality there. So he's he's a little bit dangerous because we've seen him. Um, you know, bottom out before, but I do think that with with the state of Atlanta's offense, with with the they, way they're trying to push things, with the way that they're passing, and especially uh, going up against Dallas, I think I think Matt Ryan's going to have to be throwing a lot, and uh, you know they showed they showed plenty of comfort doing it against New Orleans in Week Nine, so yes, I am putting my heart out there yet again uh, to Russell Gage and saying, you know what, you are the top wide receiver on the team. Go get some go get some receptions, okay? With the loss of Calvin Ridley, we that 
spot is open and he seemed to be the guy although Olamita Zacchaeus was the one who caught two touchdowns but I don't think any of us are dropping big fab to go get Zacchaeus so Gage has the track record we've seen the variance between him this season but there's a lot more work to go around for him and they're gonna have to throw a lot so Gage could is gonna be very intriguing moving forward and we talk about some of these breakout wide receivers we finally saw the breakout week for Elijah Moore. And just like we all predicted at the beginning of the year, it comes with Mike White and Josh Johnson as quarterback (laughs) because why not? It's week nine in the NFL. But Elijah Moore had seven receptions, 84 yards and a touch and two touchdowns, excuse me, clearly showing off that talent, which we were all touting coming out of college. He goes up against Buffalo next week. This is clearly the breakout game. Is this something that's sustainable? Are you trying to get the more than likely one of the better pass targets in a very bad New York Jets offense onto your roster. I want to add Elijah Moore, but I don't think I'm starting him against Buffalo. Um, you know, I, I, I think that yeah, I don't see the Jets scoring 30 points next week. And, you know, Corey Davis is potentially coming back. And we just don't know exactly, you know, how good is Josh Johnson? Is Mike White going to be back? Uh, when Zach Wilson returns, what is that going to look like? It has, it wasn't good at the beginning of the season, but Elijah Moore is still one of those rookies. And, you know, again, similar to Rashad Bateman, you know, he, he, he projected really high a, a, as a prospect and the talent is there. I do think there could be some opportunities there, but I'm not starting him in week 10. So if I have to choose between him and somebody who, you know, maybe has a little bit of an easier matchup then I may look elsewhere to be honest, but I mean, the talent's undeniable. Yeah. I don't think you can make a, a bad argument for Elijah Moore. The talents, like you said, it's clearly there. The Jets offense while confusing with who knows who's going to be a quarterback, what it'll look like with Zach Wilson or Mike white or Johnson, a quarterback, you want to have this upside on your bench and it's definitely work worth at least the stash and buying into and speaking of someone where talent is clearly there, we saw this week Donovan Peoples-Jones see an uptick in work with the loss of Odell Beckham due to his release that saga is officially over. And he did catch a touchdown on only three targets, two receptions, 86 yards on a deep bomb from Baker Mayfield. And that touchdown, he's only 13% rostered, but with the increase in work due to Odell Beckham's injury, are we interested in Donovan Peoples-Jones or how would we try and approach this situation? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, you mentioned he only had three targets, um, which isn't the most encouraging sign, but uh, DPJ, uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones has shown kind of a penchant for kind of hitting those home runs. Um, and so, you know, to use another baseball term uh, to, you know, to, to, to really, you know, he, he is that deep threat. And I do think that just overall the Cleveland offense just looks better without Odell in it. And you know, say what you want about Odell Beckham Jr. I don't. I, I think it's better for for both parties that that they're that they're separating out. Um, you know, whether he ends up in Seattle or wherever else, um, I, I I think overall the offense is going to be more balanced. And I think that Donovan Peoples Jones has a has a potential for his role to increase. I, I weirdly enough, I actually kind of like the matchup in as they're heading up into New England. I think that, you know, what, what Bill Belichick loves to do is he loves to take away your best weapons and the best weapons on uh, the Browns is the run game. And so I can really see new England focusing a lot more on, on scheming ways to stop Nick Chubb. And I do think there's some potential in play action for 
um, Peoples Jones to be uh, to be kind of unleashed a little bit. So I like him as a boom bust guy. I think that you know if if you need somebody who could go off and you really want to go for that ceiling play, um, I do like Peoples Jones. They um, they looked good this last week, and again, you know it, he he only got the three targets, but when one of them when one of them goes for a score, you know uh, that's what you're looking for with a player like this. So he's not going to necessarily give you your high floor, or your consistent. Um, you know, your consistent kind of basement scoring, but you know what? He's, he's, he sure is fun. And I, I, I could see his role continuing to increase as the season goes on. And those three targets probably were also due to the fact that Chubb had one of the best games of his entire career and the Browns didn't exactly have to throw when they had such a big lead at Cincinnati at times. So those targets will only go up when they play in closer games, which this weekend's New England could be one of those. So I think the, I would agree the upside's definitely there. You don't know the right week to start because he does have that boom-bust potential, but we know what the offense in Cleveland could look like. And if you know, Jarvis Landry is a fine receiver, but Donald and Peoples-Jones could become that, not the full number one, but the big play guy that this offense would need in the passing game. And there's a lot of upside there. So I definitely want to, I'm intrigued by the upside for Don Peoples-Jones and the potential he has in that offense. So that's going to be it, well, we'll say, for the, Quiet season, you want to take a little bit deeper look into. Are there any other guys who are at least worth mentioning? It's kind of the same thing, deeper or uh, someone to look out for if you do miss out on these bigger, the top wide receiver targets. Yeah, you know, we mentioned him last week, uh, Van Jefferson. I think that, you know, we've seen uh, ever since uh, Deshaun Jackson has not been a part of the Rams offense. Now, this week was a, was a stinker from the Rams. So they've, I'm surprised they scored any points at all, but what we've seen, you know, in, in the three weeks that Jackson hasn't been very involved, you know, you've seen seven targets, six targets, seven targets for Van Jefferson. So I still like him as an ad in a potent offense. Uh, Marquez Callaway, you know, he, you know, had, again, with the saints, you're not entirely sure what you're going to get, but he has shown the ability to uh, put up some points from time to time. So I like him as, as a little bit of a dart throw and to go on the other side of Van Jefferson, Deshaun Jackson with Henry Ruggs being released from the Raiders and Deshaun Jackson signing there, he could slot right into that deep threat. Um, so again, you know, potential high ceiling games, really low floor. Um, but he's, you know, if, if you have the luxury of having him, he's only 5% rostered. Um, so he's probably not even somebody you necessarily have to go get or put any fab on, but he could be somebody, you know, worth, worth, uh, you know, patrolling the, the free agent market after, after waivers process. And then, of course, if T.Y. Hilton, uh, he's in the concussion protocol, um, took a nasty, uh, nasty hit where he fell on his neck and his head in the fourth quarter in week eight. He missed week nine. Um, you know, it, it, it's kind of up in there. He's going to make it uh, through the concussion protocol. But I think that he he might have, you know, T.Y. Hilton still kind of has that wide receiver three uh, potential to hit in any given week. So if he's going to play, if he's practicing, then he's worth an add to. I couldn't agree with more of any of these, these guys are definitely worth a look. If you miss out on some of the top guys, there's a lot of intrigue there, especially with Van Jefferson in that LA offense. I'm definitely excited for his upside and intrigued about this to Sean Jackson stuff. If he does fill that Henry Ruggs role, there is some upside, but what kind of, what kind of Deshaun Jackson do you get? Because you know, while there is that deep play threat, he is getting up there in age, and even the Rams didn't fully utilize that deep play potential. So will the Raiders be so willing to do that? 
we'll see. But the upside is definitely there. So on to the drop options. We mentioned him earlier, but Odell Beckham, now he's released from Cleveland. It sounds like he's going to sign with somebody. There's been thrown out Seattle as options, but you never know with these, with someone like him where he may end up. So do you drop Odell Beckham for any of these receivers, or do you hold him for the potential that he goes to a contender and a contender with a very high-powered offense like a potential Seattle? Well, I I think there's a really good chance that we find out on Tuesday where Odell is going to go because um, uh, he you know he was eligible to to go on waivers on Monday, and the the big question isn't whether or not somebody wants to sign him; it's really his price tag. So you know you start at the top of the list with the with the Lions, and you go all the way through, and and again that big question is you know who actually wants to take on that salary this this season if you're not contending. Um, so S- Seattle seems like the, like the top spot right now. That's Russell Wilson wants him there, um, as a, a DK Metcalf manager in a couple of leagues. I'm not super excited about that, but I'm also not all that threatened. So, you know, I, I think, um, you know, for, I, I'm, I'm going to wait until the last minute just to see where OBJ signs. Uh, but you know, I, I think there are some, there are a couple of these guys that, a couple of these players that I probably would go ahead and drop him for, uh, because again, he hasn't done all that much this season anyway. So I, I think I'm, I'm dropping him for Rashad Bateman. Um, and maybe even a couple of these other stashes. If my wide receiver core is, is pretty deep. Yeah. We think that there, there's a chance that Owen Odell does sign. He does go to an offense, but he is the second or third option. So how much fantasy value do you really get from that in a high powered offense? Like you said, I'll hold on to him to see where he ends up and try to reevaluate from there. There's definitely some upside. There's clearly still some talent. So maybe he goes somewhere new and gets a little rejuvenated. But I would agree. Bateman would be worth dropping him for. But I think that's the only one I would potentially would drop him. I'd rather keep the upside for Beckham with uh, these other options. And these other options are going to be going into bye week. So it's probably a little bit team dependent. But Tyler Boyd, Allen Robinson, Darnell Mooney, and a bunch of Giants receivers. Are any of these those guys worth mentioning, worth holding on to going there by? Or if you're desperate, do you think they're all worth dropping? I think Darnell Mooney, uh, if I can stash him, I'd prefer to. Um, I I, I still, let's see, we kind of have the luxury of, uh, I think Monday Night Football just finished. So congratulations to your Steelers. Thank you, thank you. I was holding my breath throughout the show. Pulling one out there. Uh, but, you know, uh, Darnell Mooney, uh, he caught, let's see, he just caught, he he caught the kind of go-ahead touchdown before um, before the Steelers came back. So I, it, Mooney definitely has a connection with Justin Fields. Um, so, yeah, he just went, you know, f- you know, three receptions, 41 yards, and a touchdown on Monday Night Football. Um, I like Mooney. If I can stash him and keep him through the bye, um, then I like that. However, it is still the Chicago offense. Um, I think the Giants receivers, you know, I'm, I'm, I still want to kind of hold on to Kadarius, Tony, Kenny Galladay, um, and those guys, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton. I'm fine moving on from those, uh, from those guys over there by, um, and Allen Robinson as well. You know, again, he probably had his, you know, one of his best games of the, uh, of the season, but he's, you know, barely cracking eight points in, in half PPR. So, um, it kind of is what it is with him right now. Yeah, if you're desperate, you, they're all worth dropping just because it's week 10. You're going in the bye. You don't have many more weeks to 
make this up. So if you have to make the move, I would understand it, but I would agree. You want to try and hold on to some of the upside with Mooney. Probably the Giants for Galladay. I still want to hold on to Tony. I think I would hold, but I'd understand dropping. And even Tyler Boyd, he had a horrible week, but he's still pretty involved in the Cincinnati offense. So I would try to hold him, but I'd understand moving on from him. So moving over to the tight end position, it's very similar names than we've been saying, but just like we did last week, because I'm a homer, we're going to start off with Pat Fryer move, but also because he had a very good week. We just finished up Monday Night Football, and I just took stat line. He had two touchdown receptions and was continues to be more involved in this Pittsburgh offense. Mm-hmm. Tight end is a very bad position. You, you don't, There's not much you need to do to be a top 10, top 12 tight end. So, AJ, as he entered this, is this one of the tight end you're trying to add everywhere this week with Pat, it's Pat Fryer move? Yeah. Yeah, and I, I mean, absolutely. And it's really, I mean, just, just replay our, our pod from last week because, I mean, tight end was so funny this week. So, you know, you have your usual suspects. You have Kittle, Kelsey, and Waller as kind of your top three tight ends. Then I think three of the next 10 are all on the Chargers. So Steven Anderson, Donald Parham Jr., and Jerry Cook were all kind of round out the tight end one category for week nine. Then you've got Jeff Swaim. You've got Ryan Griffin. You got some Hunter Henry and Joku. It, 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 it's a mess back there. So, again, you can't, you can't just follow just the scores or just a one-week sample. Um, you go back to the usage. So, yes, Pat Fryermuth, um, I had him kind of neck and neck with Dan Arnold maybe a little bit more to Dan Arnold last week, but I will submit to you, Callan, that thank you. That um, old Patty Fry is the Fryer himself is uh, is my top uh, tight end ad. Um, again, just just that usage. Um, and you know, again, he's really starting to take off. Again, if if we weren't if we didn't know who Kyle Pitts was, which we all do, uh, we'd probably be talking a lot more about uh, about Pat Fryermuth through the season. So, um, he, you know, he was right behind Kyle Pitts kind of in that kind of off the charts athleticism and, um, which we love to say about tight ends, but, uh, he, he's number one, Dan Arnold is still a great option. The, the big, the big difference for me is the Jack, the Jacksonville Jaguars don't get into the red zone enough. They, they aren't scoring enough touchdowns, but I love Dan Arnold's floor. What, what he's, what he's able to do every week without scoring a touchdown um, is kind of give you that consistent tight end one floor. And if he ever actually does get into the end zone, which you got to think at some point he will, then, you know, then you can kind of see that spike week where, um, where, you know, instead of, you know, 10 points, whatever he, he can get you that 20 point week. So, um, so to me, those two guys are ahead of everybody else. Um, you've still got Evan Ingram who he kind of is what he is, you know, he's, he's going to give you that kind of consistent floor, um, but I don't think a whole lot else. And then you just got a bunch of dart throws everywhere else. So, you know, um, the, the other name that I will mention, Callan, is um, Adam Troutman, who we all loved in the preseason. Um, he seems to be kind of catching, you know, kind of picking up a little bit of steam on, on the Saints offense. So he, you know, he, he he could be worth a flyer. He could be worth a desperation pick or maybe like a DFS tight end punt or something for, uh, for an upcoming matchup, but um, but to me, it's those two guys and then everybody else. Yeah, Troutman, 13 targets combined in the past two weeks. I tried to get him everywhere in my dynasty leagues this offseason. Didn't have too much success, so I'm kind of not threatening about it with this start season, but there's clearly talent there, and 
with New Orleans offense as shaky as it is, so he's definitely worth some intrigue. But another point in Pat Fryermoon's favor before we move on, Chase Claypool did leave this game with an injury. He did not return in the fourth quarter, including on the game-winning drive for Chris Boswell's field goal. So something worth monitoring if Claypool does miss out. There's not many other receiving options in Pittsburgh. It's Deontay Johnson, Najee Harris, then what? They're not going to involve James Washington. So Pat Fryermuth will continue to move up there. He's right back into He's now in that top 12, top 10 tight ends that you're starting mostly every week. And the Claypool injury only adds to that. So definitely hey, let hey, me have Ray, my moment. Ray, yeah. Okay. Ray, Ray, Ray Ray McLeod would like to have some words with you. Yeah, he fumbled on that punt <laughs> return. He can he doesn't he doesn't need to touch the ball much more. But yeah, Pat Firemuth is uh, I'm very excited about him, as you can tell. So we'll do what we always do with the quarterback and then defense. This week isn't as important with streaming because we're gonna be getting Tom Brady back. Russell Wilson will also be likely returning from his injury. And the only quarterback that you've been starting in most weeks for fantasy is Joe Burrow, who will be on by. And he's right on that borderline 10 to 12 range anywhere where he's probably on border to start sit for most rosters this season. But if you do need to stream a quarterback, because I, we do understand our super flex and two quarterback leagues where you will need to do that. Where are you looking at the quarterback? Well, because I think this week isn't exactly the greatest week for streaming quarterbacks. No, no, no. It's kind of tough. And, you know, I kind of have to look at trends here. Um, so, you know, I'm looking back at, you know, kind of the last three weeks of a sample size is, is kind of how I'm, how I'm looking at these quarterbacks and some of the matchups don't even seem that great, but you kind of buy into a certain game script. So, um, so, so the, the first, the first quarterback I want to mention is Tua Tagovailoa. Uh, they're going up against the Dolphins are going up against the Ravens this week. So I think that there could be some plenty of potential for scoring. I don't see the Dolphins really stopping them. Um, and Tua has, um, you know, has not, you know, ha- has been able to, you know, kind of put up some points, um, you know, recently. He didn't play in week nine. So, again, there's a little bit of risk there. So keep an eye on that. But, you know, um, against Atlanta, scored, uh, you know, threw for 291 yards and four touchdowns, which, again, doesn't happen to everybody else uh, or doesn't happen to everybody. Week before that in week six you know, went for 329 yards, even against Buffalo, who is, you know, the best defense in the league in many ways. Um, still, you know, threw for 200 yards, didn't get a touchdown, but, but I like the production there. I like the attempts, you know, 47 attempts, 40 attempts, 39 attempts. Um, so I like Tua in, in that spot as, in, as kind of my first pick, just because I think that his floor and his ceiling are probably the highest uh, of, of the three I'm going to say. Yeah, definitely keep an eye out for the injury. He did miss week nine. We'll see if he plays. And they do have the Thursday night game, so it's worth monitoring. But I would agree of the options we're going to run through. Tua would be my one. If we do find out by the time waivers run tomorrow that Tua will be playing on Thursday. But it's definitely a risk because of that injury. And I'm guessing before we move on, you'd have zero interest in Jacoby Brissett if it's Brissett as a starter. <laughs> Not, you know, it, it, it's a weird week. Um, <laughs> you know, Brissett has surprised me, but no, I, I mean, if, if I'm looking to stream quarterbacks, I'm going to look, I'm, I'm going to try to go with starting quarterbacks. I think that again, with really Joe Burrow kind of being the top, um, the top absence on by, you know, obviously you don't have Daniel Jones, you don't have Justin Fields, so you're probably not starting right now anyway. Um, I'm probably looking elsewhere if, if Tua can't go. So if Tua can't go and you do need another option for to stream, who are those other two guys that you're put on the list? Who are some other guys that you have some interest in streaming this week? 
So, so, so two guys, and this is where it gets weird is first off, uh, Jimmy G, Jimmy Garoppolo going up against the Rams. Um, again, the, those, uh, those NFC West showdowns. I mean, I could be completely wrong and this could end up being, you know, like a, another one of those weird nine to six games, like we saw, uh, (laughs) you know, this, this past, past week with Buffalo, but, uh, over the past few weeks, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo has, has kind of lit it up. And he's he's shown the ability to do this before. He could put up points. Um, so in week nine against Arizona, um, you know, the actual real life score wasn't great. They only scored 17 points, but he threw for 326 yards and two touchdowns on 40 attempts. Uh, the week before that against Chicago, threw for 322 yards uh, on 28 attempts. So he's he's putting up the points. And, and he had, um, you know, some, some uh, I think he had a rushing score in week eight as well. So um, Jimmy G, I think, you know, if, if we want to, if, if I want to look at the potential game script of, you know, the Rams kind of bouncing back from a horrendous offensive output, Matt Stafford wanting to bounce back the whole, the whole offense wanting to bounce back, then I could see, you know, maybe a little bit of a, ba- a little bit of a back and forth game and see Jimmy G trying to keep up with Matt Stafford. I, I, if you didn't hear when he said that, I was an audible, oh, when he suggested Jimmy Garoppolo. I wasn't <laughs> expecting to hear that, but we're, we're seeing that San Francisco offense starting to look better. They Brandon Ayuk's getting involved, and we're seeing that have an impact for Jimmy G. So it's a risk, but it's a risk you may have to take with this uh, streaming market for quarterbacks. Is there any other quarterback worth mentioning, or is it just want to move on from this ugly, <laughs> ugly streaming scenario? Well... Well, I mean, if you, well, I can I can get as weird as you want, man, uh, because uh, you know the this is like my my let's just you know burn the whole building down is is taking a taking a flyer on Taylor Heineke coming back from the bye, um, assuming he still has the starting job, uh, coming back from the bye. Tampa Bay is coming back from the bye uh, uh, from their bye as well. So again, you know what what I'm looking for is is a potential ceiling there. And I, we know that Taylor Heineke does not mind taking chances. So he might have a couple interceptions thrown in there, but he might also run for a score, throw a couple touchdowns. Um, hopefully, you know, hopefully the Washington football team, that their, their offense is maybe a little bit healed up um, after, um, you know, being able to rest on the bye. And again, assuming that Tampa Bay puts up points, Washington is going to have to try to keep up. And so that means throwing the ball. So, we want to get real weird, real weird. I know Taylor Heineke has burned me in the past and he's probably burned a lot of you guys, but if you're desperate for it, you know, look, look at the high point totals and look at somebody who might be playing catch up for two thirds of the game. You're really, you're saying this is let's burn the building down. The bur- building's definitely on fire throwing out Jimmy G and Taylor <laughs> Heineke as streamers, but that's the landscape of week 10. So you guys, I'll throw out one more too. Is Teddy Bridgewater going against Philadelphia. We saw some of their corners go down. Devon, Darius Slay got hurt on Sunday against Los Angeles. Avante Maddox was hurt. So they're down some people. And Teddy Bridgewater, really good week against Dallas, 249 for touchdown. We saw our boy Tim Patrick have his emergence game. So a few weeks late, but we finally got the call right for Tim Patrick. So it's nice to be right. But we're seeing how good Denver's offense still has something left. They may get Noah Fant back. So if you're desperate for quarterback, I think Teddy Bridgewater is another name worth mentioning for streamers. And then finally, continuing with the streaming theme, we need to move over to the defenses because that's always worth a topic of mentioning. And, you know, we are missing some interesting defenses this week and there are matchups which you can take advantage of so aj what are those matchups you can take advantage of this week 
Well, I have a secret one that I didn't put on here just for you, Callan. Because I like I, I, I didn't want you to cancel the podcast. Uh, Ooh, but I'll, I'll, I like it. I'll, I'll start first off. Um, you know, kind of uh, in a sneaky way, Tennessee has been one of the best fantasy defenses over the last three weeks. Um, and so coming up against New Orleans with, you know, all their quarterback situations and, uh, you know, not knowing who, who's going to be there with Jameis Winston out, Taysom Hill and Trevor Simeon. I I'm, I actually really like Tennessee as a streamer this week to go up against New Orleans. Yeah, I, I when you first put that on the sheet, I was like, really, you're recommending Tennessee's defense just because we're remembering how bad they were earlier in the season. But the past three weeks, they've scored two touchdowns, had 10 sacks, and had five interceptions. And you're going up against Trevor Simeon, who is fine, but he's not going to put up a lot of points. So, yeah, I think Tennessee's a really good call this week for streaming, and I didn't think I'd ever really want to say that with how bad they were at the beginning of the year but yeah I, i'm definitely intrigued with that matchup yeah my how things change and and you know to kind of go along with the same theme you know i i don't think any of us would have been saying that we'd be saying oh hey this team's playing the kansas city chiefs fire them up <laughs> but um but the chiefs have not looked good and they've been mistake prone they've been turnover prone and they just really haven't been all that prolific either so they're not putting up those points now that always comes with the caveat that that could change at any time. But uh, Las Vegas has been a decent defense. I think that they've they've had you know kind of those um, they've had several weeks where they've uh, kind of stood up strong both in real life and in fantasy and, and been able to put up some decent points. So I don't hate Las Vegas versus Kansas City this week either, assuming that these trends continue. It's always a tough one to recommend, but you're right that they're, they're this offense has not been as prolific. I don't think I'd go as far as to me personally recommend it but if you agree with aj more than you agree with me go for go for it but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna put my sign co-sign that one but (laughs) yeah kansas city's offense has been kind of not so great so not as great as we're used to so i think you could do worse but i'm not gonna go out there and recommend it but i can understand being intrigued by it yeah you know it's one of those weeks where with all the matchups um you know obviously you've got you know, Houston going on by. So that's kind of your easy one. You've got Mm -hmm. Chicago going on by. So nobody's playing them. You've got the Giants going on by. And then a lot of the other matchups are with much higher rostered defenses. So, um, you know, when, when we're looking at kind of defenses that are under 50% rostered throughout, throughout the league, you know, these are, these are some, some of those that come up. So the, so the last, so last one I'll mention, and then, and then my bonus insult to you um, is, which you know it's coming, but I think um, I know it's coming. But I'm yeah, gonna... so so I'll I'll say uh, uh, Carolina um, against Arizona again. This is really just a Kyler Murray play. I, Colt McCoy did fine, um, but Carolina has uh, does have a good defense. I could see them trying to grind this out, make it a little bit uh, dirty, slower. Um, you know their offense isn't. Uh, yeah, Sam Darnold is in the middle of his. Uh, you know annual implosion. Um, but you know, if Kyler Murray's not out there, if DeAndre Hopkins is not out there, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't like them as much as Tennessee in, in, in this week, but I do think that there's a, um, there's a case to be made for, for Carolina pretty much any week. I think they can, uh, they can give you some points if you're, if you're desperate, uh, for a defense. Uh, and then the last one, I really want to be genuine about this, but it's so hard to be, um, the Detroit Lions are taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers. And the one thing I'll say about this 
is that no matter what the Steelers do, uh, they are always they're always a good option to give up a, a, a defensive touchdown. Um, so the real question is is are the Detroit Lions capable of actually capitalizing on that? And I mean, it, listen, if you're starting Taylor Heineke, you're already going in. So just just throw Detroit in your defense. But if you're not doing that, then probably don't start Detroit. Uh, but I do think that, you know, when you're looking for, you know, a potential game script here, the, uh, we, we may be at the point where the Lions have given up, um, but they have kind of like they try and they try to play tough. And again, you know, Big Ben, you know, is is liable to, to, to throw a pick six or cough it up or something like that. Or, you know, like we said, Ray Ray McLeod to muff a punt, um, you know, really, really close to, uh, you know, their own end zone. So um, any of those thing, things could happen. If I'm being honest, I don't think Detroit will capitalize on that. So I'm not going to recommend them. But I do think Caroline is a, a you know, um, a, a decent desperation play and not necessarily just setting fire to the whole house. Yes, I, I do like the Carolina play against Arizona. Colt McCoy is still their quarterback. I picked them up in other leagues, and they have a good schedule coming up, so I'm definitely intrigued by Carolina's defense. I will now be accepting applications for new podcast co-hosts because you recommended the Lions defense, which we have said all season to attack, and especially against my Pittsburgh Steelers. So, AJ, this was a great run while it lasted. I will expect to hear mm-hmm. me with a new podcast co-host <laughs> within the next week after that blasphemous of a take. But That's fair. Yeah, That's fair. I don't blame you. <laughs> yeah, I, I, but I definitely I definitely agree with Carolina's. I'm intrigued by if Cole McCoy's back, and like we said before, love the Tennessee call. So, just like we do with every show, we're going to wrap it up with just some quick who are our top three priorities at each position. And we'll start as always with the running backs. Where are you diving in for running backs this week? Uh, for, for running backs this week. So if I'm starting this week, I'm going to go with Devonta Freeman, Jordan Howard, and then Alex Collins. Yep. I'll agree. And if it was for a long-term thing, if you need, if you have a solid core and are looking for some upside or someone you can stash, where does that change your rankings at all or no? Uh, I, I don't know that it changes them. I, I get a little bit more interested in players like Eno Benjamin and Jarrett Patterson just to see kind of how their teams shake out. Maybe Jamal Williams, but um, or and then you know, a little bit maybe higher than those guys would be you know, potentially Mark Ingram and Jeff Wilson. But I think if I'm really looking for this week, then I'm going to stick with those, but you know, would, would, would flirt with Jeff Wilson a little bit um, for the rest of the season. Yeah, I'll agree. And like you said, Eno Benjamin would be right along that border as well if we're talking long term. But I think for this week, I would agree if you're top three over the wide receivers. Where are you? Where are you specifically looking at this week? Really, I'm I'm looking at Rashad Bateman, uh, Russell Gage. And then for this week, I think rest of season, I'm looking at Elijah Moore. But for this week, um, it's kind of a toss up between um probably Donovan Peoples-Jones, Van Jefferson, and and T.Y. Hilton if he's healthy. I think if, if T.Y. Hilton is playing, I'd probably bump him up to that third spot. Yeah, I think T.Y. Hilton's just, I don't want to say he's done, but Pittman's a clear number one in this. So I'm not as interested in T.Y. Hilton. I picked him up when he had his big week against Houston, and he hasn't played since, so I'll likely be dropping him in the leagues that I've rostered him. But So I'll, I'll kind of go off that one. But I'll, I'll definitely Rashad Bateman's one. For this week, I'll put... 
I think if we're just now first week, I'll put Gage two and then Elijah Moore three. If we're talking rest of the season, I would bump Russell Gage out and put Donaldson Peoples Jones in there. I think the upside for him is very intriguing, and I want to buy into that. And then tight ends, we don't really need to do. It's Pat Fryer move and nobody else, and not worth mentioning, <laughs> and not anybody else. But like, but in all seriousness, Dan Arnold is right up there as well. So it's a good one to a fryer move and Dan Arnold. Then you're throwing darts and seeing what happens. And then quarterbacks set fire to the house. Have some fun. See what you can do. I'll recommend Let's Teddy go. Bridgewater as my top streamer. If Tua doesn't play, but if Tua is active and we find out on Tuesday, I think Tua, just like you said, would be number one. Yeah. So Edge, anything else you want to mention? Do you want to rant about the Braves one more time or think it's a uh, think it's worth wrapping it up? Oh, I, I, you know, I think the Braves said everything they needed to say on the field. Yeah. In the words of Jock Peterson, stuff I can't say on this show. But yeah, good way <laughs> we are to. Them. We are them. Yeah, it's definitely. And we are them for waiver wire advice. So thank you for tuning in to the QB List Fantasy Football Podcast. As always, as you're listening to this episode, take a look at AJ's waiver wire article, which will be released at around that same time. You can get some much more in depth discussion on these players and see some fab advice and try and figure out for yourself whether you want to listen to AJ or if maybe you want to listen to a couple things that I've thrown out there as well. (laughs) Best of luck with your week 10 bids and we look forward to speaking with you next week.